Are you a woman who seems completely put together but doesn't actually feel that way? Meet Emily and Stassi, two Columbia-trained psychotherapists and self-identified people-pleasers in recovery who are reviewing their favorite books, self-help tips, and discussing their experiences of being and counseling women in the world. You'll gain a new perspective about how you're functioning and get practical steps to get out of your comfort zone to cultivate the life you really want to be living. Episode four? Episode four. Yes, it's episode four. There you go. Uh, this one is... I always say it's one of my favorites, but like selfishly, we chose all of our favorite books. That was the point of this. And so this is, this book is like my, not only boundary Bible, but I a hundred, like, this is just the best mental health book out there. I think it's, yeah, it, it really is. Like, so the book we're talking about today is Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Tawav. She's an incredible therapist and um, has a wonderful social media platform and has written this book as well as a workbook um, about how to set boundaries, set boundaries, find peace. And it is like the best book out there because it's so structured and it really breaks it down. Something that's really, really difficult. She actually makes very tangible for she readers, listeners. It. Yeah. She killed it. And literally like I, I bought this book the I pre-ordered this book and so it arrived to me the day it came out I was like I'm into it this title sounds so good and like seven pages in I started like throwing it up to any person who would listen to me being like you should buy this book it's the best book ever and I hadn't even read it I was like literally seven pages in and I was already so confident in the things she had described and the ways in which she laid it out laid out boundaries laid out why we're why people struggle with boundaries laid out uh the fears about what people, how people will react to you. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, and I think we should just like jump in to all the things that we love about this book. Absolutely. And I just want to put out there, I've read it three and a half times and her workbook just came out and I bought multiple copies. I've handed some out to clients and I have this one in my lab. Um, so yeah, we're just in love. So we're going to get right into it. Sassy, do you want to start us off by reading the publisher's description of the book? I do. Um, I actually mail this book to cl new clients. I send to, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm obsessed with it. Okay. Um, Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Glover Tawab is the instant New York Times bestseller. I definitely bought like six copies in the first week. So I helped with that. <laughs> the end of the struggle, speak up for what you need and experience the freedom of truly being yourself healthy boundaries. We all know we should have them in order to achieve work-life balance, cope with toxic people, and enjoying rewarding relationships with partners, friends, and family. But what do we, what do healthy boundaries really mean, and how do we successfully express our needs and say no and be assertive without offending others? Licensed counselor, sought up relationship expert, and one of the most influential therapists on Instagram, Nedra Tawab, demystifies this complex topic in today's world. 
In a relatable and inclusive tone, Set Boundaries, Find Peace presents simple yet powerful ways to establish healthy boundaries in all aspects of life. Rooted in the latest research and best practices used in cognitive behavioral therapy, these techniques help us identify and express our needs clearly without apology and unravel the root problem behind codependency, power struggles, anxiety, depression, burnout, and more. So, so good. That's our book. And we're diving into it today. Absolutely. And she says it right in the description, right? This book is written for probably a big part of our key audience, which might be people pleasers, people who are doing a lot for a lot of people, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you are not a people pleaser and listening to this podcast, I'm not sure why you're here because that's who we're, I'm joking, but we are those ourselves and we are talking to women of the world, good girls, um, and people who overdo it uh, in support of others. So though there are lots of different boundaries and we'll talk about, we'll touch on them today, people pleasers, this one is for you. So um, yeah, people pleasing is making other people happy at the cost of our own happiness. That definition is by Nedra. And um, what we worry about is we assume others won't like it when we advocate for what we want. There's so much to unpack in that statement. And in our other um, podcasts, we've kind of figured that out. And so if you can think about Dr. Libby Weaver and our forehead words, uh, we assume other people won't like what we're advocating for. What are we trying to avoid in terms of having our forehead words be our ideal self? Um, and so when we don't want people to see us as selfish and we want to be selfless, helpful, respectful, um, available, I don't know what else, we avoid advocating for ourselves and our own needs because it will be uh, uh, disconnected or different from our ideal self or what people will see us as. And so we sacrifice our own needs for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, we could like quote this whole book back to back because it's, it's so amazing. And we're just going to encourage you guys like to go out and, and buy this book, but I do want to read one more direct quote from Nedra about, about boundaries and how they show up. Mm-hmm. So she says, People don't come to therapy knowing that they have boundary issues. When they walk in the door, boundary issues are disguised as issues with self-care, conflicts with other people, trouble with time management, or concerns about how social media impacts their emotional state, right? So it really shows up in that cost to ourself. Okay. And it is disguised. I mean, I, this morning was opening the book and reviewing it. I mean, nobody's going to see this because it's auto, audio, but like every page is tabbed on my thing. And so I was flipping through them, trying to figure out what I thought was important uh, in the past, what I want to talk about today. And I was reading it out loud to my husband, kind of passive aggressively going, uh, these are the things that are, are lack of boundaries. This is what's happening when you're not showing up boundaries or saying not saying no and my husband is a is a people pleaser alongside me and is absolutely in service to me which is very kind and I love it um and it causes detriments to our relationship and and his happiness and and so it is disguised as relationship conflict 
feeling overwhelmed and burdened, missing out on your free time, um, wanting to check out and avoid conversations with people, including your partner and just staring at your phone. It shows up in all these different ways when it's actually an inability to say no, um, an inability to advocate for yourself and show up with self-care. And, and, and it is disguised secretly in lots of different ways um, that people don't often recognize in themselves because they just have symptoms instead of understanding uh, discomfort. Right. And seeing those symptoms, like you said, the lack of self-care, the overwhelm, the resentment, the avoidance, maybe burnout, maybe mental health issues, no time for yourself. Those are signs that you need better boundaries. So if you hear any of those things on that list and you say, ooh, yeah, I feel that one. It's a boundary issue. Yep. And honestly, everything's a boundary issue, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. The hardest I laugh, thing, but it sucks. The hardest thing to do, but it's worth it. And we're going to get into, you know, into all of that, like why it's so hard and, and how it, you can make it a little bit easier for yourself. And listen, boundary issues are hard because this is what we've learned. It's our social conditioning over time. Boundaries are not common sense. They are taught to us, learn them from our families and our cultures and our gender expectations. And also for a lot of clients showing up in our doors and, and people out there walking around through our traumas and our life stressors, right? We learn how to have boundaries or not. We've had our boundaries maybe honored or not. Um, and, and it is, it's a learned topic, right? It's a learned topic. And if we can zoom back out to all the podcasts we've ever done, but it's socialization is what you're talking about in terms of learned behavior. And so as women of the world, we are socialized in multiple areas of our lives, whether it's a family system, a school system, uh, coaching on teams or relation into intimate relationships, whether friendships or romantic partners and jobs exactly how women are supposed to be good girls, how we were raised to be good girls. And so there's a, and we've talked about this before, there's a danger and and a lack of safety in advocating for our needs as women, because we're supposed to be caretakers, nurturers, selfless, sacrificers, and so much more that this isn't just like a, a me problem. This is a socialization and system problem. And so it's, even harder to get over that hurdle and advocate for ourselves when, when the world is expecting this of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's conditioned at every level is what you're saying. Oh my gosh. I have goosebumps when you say that mm-hmm. and it makes me feel sick. It's awful. <sighs> so what are boundaries? This is a direct quote uh, from Nedra's book. Please again, buy it, but boundaries are expectations and needs that help you feel safe and comfortable in relationships. Expectations in relationships help you stay mentally and emotionally well. Learning when to say no and when to say yes is an essential part of feeling comfortable when interacting with others. Mm. And if we can, this is to make your relationships better, but it's to make your life better. What we're going to talk about mostly today is yes, relationships, but work boundaries. I find most of my clients come in with really porous and loose work boundaries because we live in a society and culture that if you're performing, if you're producing, if you're achieving, your self-worth is higher than if you're just existing. 
And we live on a planet, we were born on this planet to exist and have joy first, and then create meaning through other places. We weren't uh, hunters and gatherers producing, we might be gardening for an outcome, we might be finding things to do there, but we weren't born and as a humanity to produce and be productive. That is capitalism at its finest. And so we have to strip that away to be comfortable with the essence of our humanity and then find our self-worth in meaningful work like this podcast. We love doing this, but it's also energy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And listen, like you use the word porous. I think it could be really helpful to define like what are the different levels of boundaries, which Edger um, does define that there are three like levels and porous being those weak boundaries, right? So we're going to go through the three different levels. The first is porous. Those are weak or poorly exp expressed uh, boundaries and they are unintentionally harmful, right? They lead you to feeling depleted, overextending yourself, may cause you to struggle with your mood or anxiety or unhealthy re relationship dynamics. And that can look like oversharing codependency, enmeshment, fear of rejection, people-pleasing, not being able to say no, working long, long hours, right? Um, dependency on feedback from others and accepting mistreatment. So essentially like if you're saying yes to things you don't want to do or don't have the capacity for, or you're allowing someone to repeatedly mistreat you or you're working well beyond what you're being paid for, you might have some porous boundaries, right? Can we pause here for a second? And uh, Emily, can you define uh, just off the top of your head and I uh, will assist if needed, but you're more in the addiction realm than I am. Um, the codependency and enmeshment, I think that one's a hard one to understand if you haven't. Absolutely. You hear it all the time. And also everyone's just kind of throwing it out there pretty willy nilly about what it is. Totally. So my kind of definition of codependency is essentially, it, it's very similar to people pleasing, but um, it it's really in relationship with um, people who might be like lower functioning for whatever reason, right? So a person who is now taking care of the needs of another person at their own expense. So it is very similar, um, but it might be, there's a, there's a level of enabling someone to not take care of themselves. This can show up a lot in addiction, right? Um, we want to help that other person, but a lot of times it's actually enabling the behavior, but it can show up in, in all kinds of different issues, right? Whether it's mental health related or, you know, um, catering to like just like a more dominant or toxic personality. Um, yeah, I mean, if I can pause there for a second in terms of like a real life example, again, just like with women being socialized in the world as caretakers, yeah. uh, my dad called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I need you to make a doctor's appointment. I missed this doctor's appointment. Uh, here's their phone number and I just need to reschedule. Bye and hung up. And I like sat there being like, okay, yeah, great, whatever. And then moved through the day because I hadn't gotten to it because I'm a new mom and was like, wait a second, you can call me and tell me to make the appointment when you have the phone number and the phone and you're capable of doing this thing. So what just happened here, right? And so that's a very, really minimal example there of just going, yep, yeah, or, you know, him calling and saying, I need you to pick up my prescriptions instead of him figuring out a system or pushing him to figure out how to get delivery or even me doing that so that I'm not 
someone isn't codependent on my time and energy that we create a separation there. Absolutely. And I think what you're getting at is it's rooted in a lack of boundary, right? And it's like, uh, people are like dependent on each other for survival in that dynamic. So like the less functioning person, you know, not doing the the growth work to figure those things out on their own, but like outsourcing to someone else here Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And you, the people please are getting your value from, you know, caretaking in that, in that dynamic. Um, and then enmeshment is very, it's a similar concept. It's where the emotional state between two people or among like a group, like family is, uh, there's no boundaries. Like there's no separation between like me and you. So like one person, maybe there's one dominant person in the family. Maybe it's an addict. Maybe it's someone with a big personality or toxic personality. And however they feel is how everyone feels. Right. So like dad's having a bad day. He's drinking again. It's going to be a rough day for the entire family. Or like, you know, a, a parent maybe has really strong opinions and no one else is allowed to have other opinions. Um, and so everyone, it sort of becomes almost like a group think or, um, yeah, just really that ripple effect of like one person or kind of having that overarching control over the whole thing. Yeah, I, I describe it as somebody controlling the weather in the house. So if they're happy, everyone's happy, everything's sunshine. If they're not happy or anxious or sad, like the weather is controlled in the house by this main person. Um, and it shows up in other relationships too, right? If your boss is dissatisfied or like anxiety shows up really quickly when a person walks into the office and you go, oh my gosh, they're here, right? And you're on your tippy toes and doing something. That's not particularly a measurement there, but it's when then you engage and behave um, to satisfy that person's uh, needs, mood. It's, it's not always just, just like emotional base, but enmeshment uh, subconsciously motivates your behavior to adapt to that person's needs. Absolutely. Right. And I think rooted in all of it is like wanting to make things okay. And like wanting, you know, wanting to feel safe, emotionally safe, right? Um, And that can lead to, well, that can lead to learned challenges with boundaries for sure. Um, And we're going to get more into that, but um, yeah, really like family can have a huge impact. Again, we've said it earlier on how we learn to have healthy or unhealthy boundaries. Um, So porous is one example of an unhealthy boundary. The next example... Next, before we go on to the next example, the last one I want to hit is dependency on feedback for other people. That's a huge women focused, I think, statement there. I think men can have that, but I just had a client last week who said, you know, I'm just, we were, we were undoing forehead words and fears about motivating behaviors and being overscheduled, which is a boundary issue. And one was, um, I'm not sure why I'm scared of this. They're just giving me advice and I can't figure out why that would be a problem. And the thing was, was dependency on, on feedback. And so what we're talking, what I, it was hard for me to describe, but basically wanting to be a good girl and be praised for following the directions. It's very similar to teacher student when you're a young girl and want that say, oh my gosh, you're such a good girl. Way to go. That you follow the rules at recess, that you uh, are now seeking 
professional mentorship and advice. And if I don't follow through, even though I know my lack of time and create boundaries, uh, they're going to be disappointed in me. And really, they don't care. They don't have an investment in this. But you want to be patted on the head um, and said, good girl, you did it and, and praised in a way uh, that isn't supportive to the actual full picture of your life. But this specific relationship is doing that. Uh, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Next one, let's go into rigid boundaries, which is, a, so if we can think of a pendulum, we have porous, we have rigid and they swing back and forth and somewhere in the middle is healthy, but rigid boundaries are on the really other extreme of that, um, where we're building walls to keep other people out, to keep yourself safe. So this can look like uh, fear or lack of vulnerability. I don't have emotions, that's not something I do. And we, we throw that out and that's uh, in break the good girl myth, the myth of logic, right? That That's there. Um, and you can have like a, a history of being taken advantage of so that you've gone fully the other way. Um, people with rigid boundaries do not allow um, or exceptions to, to rules and they become really stringent and rigid. So um, that can, I mean, examples of that can be like, I don't, I don't use Venmo. I don't do that. I don't buy people coffee and they pay me back because nobody ever pays me back. I don't do that stuff. Uh, which is like a fine, you know, it's fine. Except, uh, except for if it causes like aggression or like really big feelings within you that you have to modulate. And it's also like, it's fine if that's true with certain people, right? It's like, okay, my family, like this family member has a history of not paying me back. So I'm not going to buy them coffee. However, now you have a new relationship with your partner and, you know, they always pay you back, but you're still unwilling to use Venmo with your partner or your friend, like someone who is reliable and gets, gets that money back to you within the same day or whatever. Right now it's, it's rigid, right? Like you're not budging and it's, it could be creating a conflict or a disconnect where that could be of what that could be a room an area for connection right it's, it's causing that disconnect that wall yeah. yeah and like money's one version of it and there's like time bound and we'll go through the different ones but there's like all sorts of different versions of of, of rigid boundaries that can happen in that way and mm -hmm. I picture the delivery of it to be really like I, I like I'm raising my shoulders to my ears like really tense and and um just I don't know, there's like a line in the sand. I won't do it. And it's kind of aggressive and intense, but it's a feeling inside. Um, and you can deliver it in a different way that's very rigid boundaries. I don't work past five, sorry, 505, I'm not gonna do, even though you're just asking me to hold paper so you can staple them. I don't know, I'm making shit up. But typically it evokes a feeling in you that is inflexible um, and you're trying to not get hurt in the process. Totally. Totally. And this can also look like, you know, again, we're talking about like a pendulum swing. So, um, with a porous boundary, like maybe you let someone walk all over you, but with a rigid boundary, maybe you're like, they're out of my life. I've cut them out. Like I'm not dealing with this as opposed to like trying to work through any problems that do arise with people, right. Or like having unreasonably high expectations of people. We love high expectations, but sometimes, right. Like we're all human beings. So like you have to be reasonable. You have to have some flexibility for boundaries to be healthy, which is really what we're aiming for. Um, and if it's okay with you, I'll, I'll define healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, I just want to double check if I don't have anything else there. Nope. I think, yeah, we can go into healthy. 
All right. So healthy boundaries. This is really what we're aiming for, right? Um, and healthy boundaries are possible when essentially your past doesn't show up in your present interactions, right? So it's not just like, it's like you're assessing each situation mm-hmm. for what it is, right? They require an awareness of what's going on for you at any given moment, your emotional, mental, mental and physical capacities. Um, they're expressed with clear communication and they're consistent in general, but flexible in nature, right? You know, going back to the money example, hey, I prefer, uh, you know, exchanging cash, but you know, this one time I don't have cash, so we'll do Venmo or whatever, right? Like it's flexible mm-hmm. um, and it, it, you can change it given the, the person in front of you or what's going on within yourself. Like yeah. normally yeah. I work till five, but today I have a lot of extra energy and nothing going on at night. So I will stay till 5.30 and help you with that project. Yeah. Yeah. The way I think of it, the word that comes to mind is fluid that like that we take in, um, the information being presented to us. We evaluate our own energy, mental load, and are fluid with the decision-making, um, in terms of like life being what it is and humans being what they are and that we can be, uh, they can be interchangeable and know that like, I really like spending time with my family at the end of the day. And so typically I like to be done with at five because um, it's important for me to spend time with my family and having all the information there and being fluid will make me feel good to help somebody um, until 5.30. They just, they can't do it by themselves and they just need some support. I'm absolutely willing to do that. I'll call my spouse and let them know I'll be home a little later and there shouldn't be a problem. Boom. Great. Great. Totally. Like there can be exceptions to my rules essentially is you know, can be healthy boundaries. Right. Um, and healthy boundaries can look like in practice, being clear about your values, listening to your opinion, Mm -hmm. caring with others when appropriate, Mm -hmm. having a healthy vulnerability with people who've earned your trust, not oversharing, but right with people who you're close to in that way, Mm -hmm. being comfortable with saying no and being comfortable hearing no without taking it too personally. Absolutely. Um, I had a thought and it went away about healthy boundaries. It'll come back before we move on to like the different types and, and really kind of dive into the nitty gritty stuff. I have a gripe with boundaries and I might have just should have started that out at the beginning with like a warning label being like Stassi has a gripe with boundaries, but in my work and with clients, I have seen it over and over and over again that like boundaries is a niche word. Everyone's loving it. It's really great. And it's important. This is a a time in our life where boundaries are becoming more socially acceptable and people are accepting them. I think it's wonderful. And I am finding that I'm I'm having clients coming in with more rigid boundaries and more goals for rigid boundaries than is absolutely appropriate. And what's happening is there's a, is a risk and a huge, um, turn around the corner of like disconnection, dis, um, cutting people off, um, and creating a me, me, me attitude, which already American culture has and, and taking away the flexibility of communal support and, and collectivist kind of cultures that create long-term 
like happiness. We're hardwired as humans for deep connection. And so when we start creating boundaries that aren't fluid or that aren't supportive of like not only our own thing, but um, family relationships and, and community relationships, uh, I'm worried we're creating more and more disconnection and these and big gaps that are really hard to overcome. And so the healthy boundaries are really important that yes, take in your own values. Yes, be clear about what you want and listening to your own body and what your, your own load is capable of, which we've been hitting on so much because women be, are asked too much and too often to do something. And when we start saying, well, mom, like, you know, always talks about religion and she can't stop and I'm just uncomfortable with it. I have to cut her off. I think we have, there's a huge grieving process. I have women come in all the time saying, I think I have to cut somebody off. And there's this huge grief about it that we have to sit with. Is this something we actually really want? Or is this the rule book we're following now? And so, um, and what is the person we're asking for change? What are they actually capable of? What are they self-aware enough to do? And where can we adapt our values? Not in terms of harming ourselves, but for the sake of sustaining a relationship that's important. Totally, totally. And I think that like, don't get me wrong. There are sometimes relationships that you need to cut off. Mm-hmm. 100%, right? Yeah, absolutely. However, I think what you're talking about is that pendulum swing, right? From porous boundaries, people being taken advantage of walked all over to now, like I'm going all in on boundaries, right? And they surpass and go all the way to the other extreme. And I think in both, in both cases, it's actually a fear of sitting with boundaries because if you're just cutting people off, yes, that is a boundary. It's an extreme boundary, but you're not actually sitting with the discomfort of having to have a relationship where boundaries are coming into play, right? You're not having to sit with saying no and then still having your mom over, right? You're just removing that discomfort from your life. So I actually think that in both cases, it's a fear of actually sitting with a boundary. Yeah, I think it also, it becomes more nuanced and complex in terms of just our political climate and culture we have right now. And so, you know, starting in 2015 and beyond about uh, Trumpism and Black Lives Matter and where social media has gone in terms of absolute extremes of cutting people off holding bound, um, firm to our beliefs. And I absolutely agree in those ways. And I have the privilege of not really being exposed to many conversations where I have to decide between family and my political values and uh, humanities values that I think are really important. I get to not do that. And I have clients walk in going, I'm, I've been told over and over again for the last eight years that I need to cut somebody off because of their beliefs. And I'm not really sure what to do now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really hard time to figure out who you know and love. And the I, I'm sorry to insult anybody or anyone's family, but like the small mindedness of Trumpism um, and the political climate we're in, right? And 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 I have real clients who have to who are struggling with that idea right now. Totally, totally. Yeah. And we can get into like all of that and like how, how challenging it is. I mean, on the one hand, right. Like there are certain things that we should never tolerate in, like in our friendships or certain beliefs, if they're rooted in hate at the other 
on the other hand, there is room for a conversation of, well, how do we make connection to maybe change someone's ideas? And I don't know, cutting someone off, like sometimes it's necessary, but it, it does um, reduce the ability to ever come to understanding also, right? So it's, you really have to assess um, the consequences of either choice. You know, and, I, and when we really, this isn't the point of our, our conversation today, but it, I think it really dehumanizes people, right? That this isn't, this isn't something I can save. I'm going to chop off an arm and we're going to move on. I don't talk to this family member anymore. I don't talk to this friend anymore. When there's other parts of their humanity that are really wonderful. And I'm not saying we excuse behaviors, but we have like the, the foundation of our like country is actually disagreeing and moving forward together anyway. And that I think is, is something that's has gone away a little bit in our culture that becomes black and white and boundaries is a topic about that. Uh, it's a part of the political landscape now about, about it. And I think that there is a risk for damage and harm when we, when we have that. And it sometimes is necessary if we can't get to the other side of it. I don't know. I, I think it's nuanced and more complex than what we're simply saying. But I think there, uh, I have seen the damage on on the mental health side for this political topic. I guess. Totally. I mean, yeah. therapist through a, a really challenging time, so we've seen and heard it all. Sure. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. I uh, just. A little caveat is boundaries are wonderful and they're a hot topic right now. And there are a lot of ways in terms of toxicity or political pieces, but toxicity that that cutting off is not the end all. That's not what boundaries are a part of. That is an extreme ending if we actually have to do it. Um, and there's lots of uh, fluidity in the middle uh, that I think often gets overlooked when it's simplified on social media. That's That's the point I'm trying to make. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say one more thing before we move on, which is like, again, I think there are some relationships where it is important to cut someone off. Someone's abusing you. If someone is mistreating you and they're unwilling to change, even when you've proposed boundaries, or like, again, if there's abuse, like your life is probably healthier with that person not in it. However, there are a lot of relationships where it's like, okay, if this one thing could be changed and they were and, and they were willing to work on that thing, like, would it be a healthy friendship? Would it be a healthy relationship? And if the answer could be yes, then that's where sitting with that discomfort could be worth it, right? So. And uh, man, we're, if we could just do this the rest of the day. The other piece of that is like, is that person capable of change? Are they self-aware enough? Are they, are they able to manage that? Are we agreeing in the same ways? And so if we can go back to a parent who talks about religion all the time and you're not religious and have rejected that and it makes you uncomfortable and you keep setting the boundary, please don't talk about it. I think it's really hard for a parent. Let, let, let's zoom out and talk about it as if you're brushing, you're not brushing your teeth anymore. They taught you that skill. They know your teeth will fall out if you don't. And if they fully believe in this belief system and you're not engaging in it it's a I I, I can't wrap my head around it because it's not something I impose but I can't imagine knowing that there's a certainty that you're going to go somewhere bad at the end of your life if this isn't going to happen how much anxiety that person is carrying around are they actually capable of not talking about it or do we need to work on your discomfort and triggering about religion so that it's you can flow with that comment and continue to move through it and not have a reaction and get to the other side of the conversation and talk about your house plans you know and, and yeah and, yeah and I think this is where 
where we're going next anyway, is really important to talk about different kinds of boundaries. Because on the one hand, there's, you know, setting the boundary with what someone can talk about. On the other hand, there's that monitoring one's own emotional reaction type of boundary, right? So there's a lot of personal and individual work. And we can't expect every person to be capable of respecting everything you say are if there's pushback and they're denying it because they just want to be them they want to do what they want to do that's different than what someone's actually is your parent is your grandparent is your friend capable of what you're asking and if they're not then we have a decision to make do you want to sign up for that relationship if they're not capable if what you're asking is too much um and i think we it gets very black and white there um you know yeah, it's complicated stuff. Shasi, it's not easy. And that's why we work so hard on this in therapy to really like dig and figure out what is the appropriate boundary for your individual life, like client in front of us, right? It's going to be different for every single person. And that's okay because we're all different people, right? Yeah. And the easiest one for us to talk about, and we'll kind of sit with the easiest example for us to talk about, which is less nuanced, is work. Because most of our listeners here are uh, overextending themselves at work, find value in producing. And that's the thing we'll, we'll probably sit with mostly because the other is so much more individual based, more complicated. And it takes self reflection and discussion to figure out what to do with actual real life relationships versus like, the work culture and our system involved in it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> now on my, I'll get off my little soapbox and come back down and <laughs> let's talk about types of boundaries. Um, there are many, and we will hit on only a few today, um, but there are physical boundaries like physical touch, body touch, um, how close somebody stands to you in other directions, sexual boundaries, um, emotional boundaries, intellectual boundaries, material boundaries, and time boundaries. These are all different types that Nedra really, I think, sat with the different things that her clients have brought up and and categorized them in these different ways. Um, And I think they work really well. I haven't found a different category that she did a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I really like about her book is she like breaks down chapters and topics at a time. So if you're really struggling with any one of these things, like you can go in and and, and go back and like reread that, that chapter or that section to really work on um, those boundaries. We're really going to focus on especially time and emotional boundaries um, next, because those are ones that we see come up a lot with our clients and with ourselves, honestly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, emotional and time boundaries do we, so time boundaries are a pretty easy one to understand. Time boundaries are the amount of you have 24 hours in a day. How are you using that to, to spend your time? Are you thinking about yourself in any capacity of that? Are you giving that away? Are you using it to your job, your child, your spouse, your family, your friends, um, your workouts, your, um, cell phone there you know there's so many different versions of this and what I have found personally is if I like look back at like so I've been I've been dating my husband for eight years and so it's very easy for me to see like the moment I met him and what my life has looked like since and if I look at that time 
the time boundaries are rough and that comes from like when we first met um and I lived with my brother and took care of my six-month-old niece and so my brother didn't come he would always be late he was a teacher and they worked very hard but he would be late all the time and I just allowed that to happen and then I'd be annoyed so he he's supposed to be done at four he'd come home at 8 30 and I would want to go meet my cute boyfriend in New York City and couldn't because he was late um uh, to applying to grad school that year and all the amount I had to do there and then going to grad school and the time that that takes um, in our lives. I mean, we were at the library until two and the more I would leave at two. I had friends who stayed until four uh, to do projects and my boundary was like, I'm leaving at two in the morning. But like, instead of going to Columbia and going, this is too much. And for the people who are supposed to be caring about our mental health, this is an insane request. And they just did it. And we just abided to those uh arbitrary rules and in that i put a lot of demand on my my partner at the time to make dinners and do those pieces do the laundry because i had too much to do and then when we moved i like wedding planning became a part of that time that just like spilled over and these are all wonderful things that happened and i had i have never uh kind of shown up in my marriage uh, without being overburdened by the emotional labor and work that I've added to my plate for sure. I mean, that's the, a lack of boundary I've had. And um, he's never said, hey, this is too much for me to take on uh, to the point where, where he does a lot of the physical piece and I do a lot of the mental load and labor of the to-do list. Like we both got married, but I was the one doing the marriage planning, wedding planning, which is typically on women. And he did the dinners while I was like sitting on the computer. Um, but it takes away your relationship. It takes away that like, I wanted to go on runs during that time. And instead I was demanding these things. And, and that piece of the time boundary um, shows up in lots of different ways. And I'm hoping this is a, like other women are hearing this, but, oh, this sounds like me because it, it's, for me, it's porous all the time um, when my family asks for babysitters or someone wants to hang out with me, I'll just say yes without thinking about it because I'm a social butterfly. Um, and it, it, it doesn't lend itself to pres being present, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, for me, like I, in my life, like I noticed time boundaries coming up um, really strongly since having a child, like that's, if I'm just being honest, like, you know, my husband really struggles with managing his time with work. I think sometimes there's a really high expectation given his job. And so he works a lot of hours. Um, and, and before having a child also just like was able to do that without any repercussions. But now I'm like, I have no time to myself because I'm always either, you know, serving clients, which I do love, but that's emotional labor or taking care of a small toddler, which is also 24 seven emotional labor. And so like, there's been a lot of conflict of like time and who has time and, you know, what time, you know, feels more or less burdensome um, and how we're spending it. And it's been a big thing to try to navigate in new parenthood with demanding jobs. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is typically women are saddled with that, right? We have, I, I see every day some sort of statistics about how much women do in terms of labor, uh, whether it's uh, at home tasks or just how long it takes, how many hours it takes for breastfeeding in a year or um, the amount women take on at work. Uh, 
versus their male counterparts. Like it, it, there's something, a reminder every single day to me, for me, and it's kind of just an aggression at this point of how much we're willing to take on uh, next to our male counterparts. Um, and I want to say also willing to take on, but also part of it is force too, right? So there's the piece oh, of- yeah. There's the piece of where we might have porous boundaries for sure and the learn social conditioning, but men are also socially conditioned to take up the time that they want and need. And so then sometimes when you're saddled with a child, for example, if your partner's just like, I have to work till 8 p.m., sometimes it's like, okay, then it's just on me, right? Like sometimes I think that the social dynamics of the two again, and we're talking about heterosexual cisgender couples specifically, I think in these examples, um, it's a combination of, of porous boundaries, but also it being forced, I think on women a lot too. Forced, expected, assumed. Um, and that goes for us as well. The, the, that like, uh, my husband goes to softball every Monday night. He gets this night. And in my head, I get three nights of no bad time because I'm working in from five to eight. I work from five to eight. I see clients during the evening. Um, it's not a break. That's work. It's not a break. And I, <laughs> and I hear myself, I heard myself this weekend going, well, I only do one bedtime. He does three by himself. And it doesn't, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. He gets a break. He gets to go socialize and do stuff. And I'm counting those things. That's a crazy socialization I've done. And I'm assuming, I'm, I'm assuming, and I don't know if this is true for him. He's having the same thought because we've been socialized in the same system and we're all, counting it in, in different versions that is not true. That's just not the statement there. Right. And I guess this might be beyond the scope of this podcast, but it sounds like we need to find something for you Stassi to do. That's a break for you regularly. So hundred percent. Maybe not. Maybe at the end of the podcast, we'll do some brainstorming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, emotional boundaries. Do you want, do you have a example or definition of an emotional boundary? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think this one's really broad and a little bit more complex because emotional boundaries, I think are a lot of times like, they're so, I mean, every boundary is so individual to the person, but emotional boundaries, especially it's like what we're willing to share with others, to hear from others, what we're willing to take on or able to take on emotionally. It's the oftentimes the caretaking of others. Mm -hmm. I mean, as therapists, we have, we're doing emotional labor of caring for clients. As mothers, we're doing emotional labor of taking care of children. Um, and all of that, I think, falls under the umbrella of our emotional resource and the boundaries that come with it, right? Mm -hmm. And I have clients who uh, feel a lot of pressure to, um, call their parents, which is important, um, to look, uh, you know, emotionally take care of their friends who are going through struggles. Mm -hmm. Uh, if they set boundaries with their time and say, I can't go out this weekend, I'm tired. I need to rest. Then they feel anxious that they're being excluded or not. They're missing out on something in terms of the emotional connection there. Um, and that they might not be invited anymore. That's a huge fear for women often, if they're not overextending in these different ways and they're, and they're paying attention to their physical needs, then the emotional piece is, is taken away. And so oftentimes they do emotional violations um with it which is like I'm gonna call my friend when I'm driving home and like make dinner and still talk to them and try to support them in these different ways um because of it 
Um, other example of emotional violations that I think are important is sharing too much or sharing inappropriate or emotional information to your kids or um, professionally um, pushing someone, someone to share information they're not comfortable sharing, invalidating someone's feelings, um, telling people how they should feel. So you shouldn't feel sad about that. You should feel really overjoyed that this is happening. Um, gossiping about people's uh, information. So getting information and sharing it again, that's a boundary violation. Um, uh, yep, I mean, I could keep going, but these are all emotional. And I just want to say, like, I know in my work with clients, I oftentimes work with clients who might identify as like having parents who may have struggled with emotional boundaries and maybe who are like emotionally immature or at an extreme, like a personality disorder or something. But like a lot of times we learn what is emotionally inappropriate boundary again from our environment. So from our primary environment being like the house we grew up in. So if you had a parent who was emotionally immature, I just want to say this might be something that is challenging for you and just keep that in mind and know that it's something that can be learned also um, later in life. Yeah. And so an example of that is, is that a parent um, uses you as their emotional support system. They don't use their friends or partners. Um, and so, so you have been trained to be the emotional support and so you relate to other relationships similarly. So I never talk about myself. I never um, talk about my problems or my relationship struggles. I'm always the listener. I'm always the person, you know, uh, the joke in amongst therapists is why did you become a therapist? And people say, <laughs> oh, everyone's always said I would be good at it. I'm such a good listener. And that's a, a, a huge example of poor emotional boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. And it's true for my own personal life that that was was said and most therapists will say that's true and then it like when I became a therapist I had to create emotional boundaries within my family system within my uh friends and other places because I was actually doing hard work supporting emotional things for people that I could no longer have the capacity to do it for my personal relationships and had to start learning how to create emotional boundaries absolutely absolutely yeah and like the best therapists are ones who, you know, maybe have had the struggle, but who have done the work to heal and evolve and they can lead you through a similar journey. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, what you I was just going to, you know, get to what happens when we aren't protective of these boundaries, you know, thinking of the time boundaries and the emotional boundaries, um, when we're not protective of them, right? When they're really porous, this can lead to burnout, mm -hmm. right? Like, which is talk, another hot topic, hot button word, right? And we we talked about burnout, right? With the, with the invisible load, like how our nervous system gets overstressed, right? And there starts to be actual like mental health and physical consequences to that. Mm -hmm. That's the result of having porous boundaries, um, poor self-care, right? And boundaries really are the antidote to that, healthy boundaries, right? Learning how to, how to do that. It's protective of, of yourself and your life and the relationships that you have. I um, mean, boundaries are the root of self-care, period, the end. I need people to hear that again. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are the root of self-care. Right. It's not, not just 
like going to a spa and getting your nails done. Um, it's valuing your time enough to maybe like be able to have something like that on your schedule. But the root of it is valuing of your time, valuing of your your well-being and, and your boundaries, right? It's doing body scans and slowing down and saying, instead of just the immediate instinctual yes, which is my go-to, is to slow down and do a body scan and say, how am I feeling? Am I tired? Am I anxious? Am I needing to relax? Am I needing to connect and have fun and laugh? Am I needing to zone out on a t- television show? Like, what do I need? And then answering the, the, the request, whether that's a work request, a social request, an emotional support request from a family member or friend, whatever it is, that's what self-care is, is slowing down, being present with yourself and going, this is what I'm capable of giving without harming myself harming my well-being, leading to burnout, um, and all the other ways that that can show up. Absolutely. And, and in that, knowing that like, sometimes the answer is going to be yes. And sometimes the answer is going to be no. And sometimes it's maybe later and it might just, it just changes given what is happening for you at the moment. I think so many of us are trained, especially as people pleasers to just say, yes, 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 yes. And that's not coming from a conscious decision-making, um, or looking at your present. Not at all. It's coming from wanting to be liked. It's coming from being praised. It's coming from measuring your self-worth after people's feedback or what they perceive you as. Um, And man, is that my main goal in life? (laughs) And so it takes extra effort to combat that knowing that's causing me harm, even though it will make my self-worth and and um, identity rocky. It makes the ground I stand on rocky saying no. It makes the ground I stand on um, shaky when I have to either circle back and set a boundary saying that didn't feel good or say no, none of that I like. And so it's more comfortable to fall on the sword over and over again. And long-term, it's not creating the life I want, the relationships I want. Um, Right, right. Yeah, right. Boundaries, this is a direct quote from Nedra that I love. Your boundaries are a reflection of how willing you are to advocate for the life that you want. I'm gonna say that one more time. Your boundaries are a reflection of how willing you are to advocate for the life that you want. And boundaries, they save relationships. They create safety and care for ourselves. They lead to positive, more positive physical health outcomes as opposed to like the adverse outcomes that can happen when you have no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they save you from feeling resentful, right? So they are, they're integral to having the life that you envision. You can't have it without setting some boundaries for what you want to need. Yeah. And I actually want to circle back to, they save you from feeling resentful. If you feel resentment in a relationship or you have pegged somebody and anytime you think of them, you're Mm -hmm. annoyed by the way they treat you. You're annoyed by their lack of awareness of how much you do for them, that they owe you something in that version. But that feeling of resentment is a signal to you. You're not setting boundaries you are have porous boundaries and you're doing too much it's not a reflection on them and I say this to clients all the time you can ask for your mom or someone for whatever it's their job to assess their life you do not need to feel guilt for asking they have to 
assess their life and, and make a decision. They can't be mad at you for saying yes and showing up for you. That is their job to do that. So if you're feeling resentment towards somebody because you keep showing up for them, it is your job to assess your life. They get to ask. There's no harm in asking. They're not shoving guilt or shame your way. They're asking and you have to be a willing participant. So when you feel that way, it's your ownership of the feeling and you it's a signal you need to create change. Absolutely. Absolutely. You feel resentment. It's a boundary issue. You got to, we got to start working on it and you can't control another person either. Like you only have control over yourself and your superpower in that situation is figuring out the boundaries that will work for you in that dynamic. Yeah. And I actually reading this book made me reflect on a bunch of relationships where I felt that, or felt like people were, um, uh, inconsiderate, didn't say thank you, didn't appreciate the efforts I was doing. And, and still, I still feel that way. I still some, uh, know where that can be true. And also that resentment, that, that, to that list I have of all the ways that didn't happen for me is a result of lack of boundaries. If I knew that, that I was showing up for that person who isn't capable of that thing, I don't have to say yes to that. If I show up anyway, because their life is chaotic or, you know, they're grieving or there's a death in the family, they don't have to appreciate the things I'm doing. And I need to work on my own feelings about why that's important to me or why I'm not getting that acknowledged. Yeah, totally. Setting that emotional boundary for yourself. Yeah. And that's different than like, if you're in a marriage, they should always appreciate you. That, uh, shows long-term, uh, outcome, better outcomes in terms of no divorce if you just verbally appreciate a person. So that, I don't want to say appreciation needs to go away at all, but in terms of like outside world stuff, um, that's your own boundaries. Right. And it's about having reasonable expectations and for the different types of relationships in our lives, right? It's, boundaries yeah. look different for different relationships, um, as they, they should, if we had the same boundaries for every single person, it would also be unhealthy. Yeah. Fluid. fluid. Just fluid. It's so important. So how do we do it? How do we do this really uncomfortable thing that is so hard, especially for us people pleasers? Um, it's so hard. And so the first thing I'm going to say, which is not part of Nedra's advice, but it's part of my own therapist advice is always have a support group. So if you're like inspired by this conversation and you want to, you want to do it, make someone else listen to this so that they understand what you're, what we're talking about, how to help support you and how to go. You're doing it. You're doing a great job. Keep going. Yes. You absolutely should do it. I had a therapist. I, I got a therapist specifically to help me with boundaries. And I was like, make me do this shit, make it, make it hard. I don't want to, uh, I don't want this to be easy. I'm a therapist. I've done the work. Like we're going to get into it. And it was the hardest work I've ever done is to the amount of avoidance I had of circling back to a, a, a conversation that I didn't like, uh, a way I was treated in terms of not being appreciated, asking for money or being paid back. Like that's, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. It still is a struggle. And one of the things Nedra says is, anxiety and boundary setting will always come together because what we're asking for is our true, most authentic ways to be respected, treated, and, and communicated with. And so there's always vulnerability there. So anxiety, we're putting our heart out every single time. Anxiety and boundary setting will always be paired together. You cannot avoid that, but more practice, and then we're going to tell you how to, more practice is going to make it easier and people's reactions will be less harmful or scary because it's about them. It has nothing to do with you. If you know your value, everything's easier. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And the first time you start to set boundaries, it's, it's the hardest, right? Like with any new thing, it does get easier over time. And Nedra really breaks it down into two key steps that you need to remember. It's yeah. communication followed by action. Okay. So step one is communicating your boundaries. You have to verbally express the boundary that you need, right? Like People cannot just assume what your boundaries are based on the way you act, your language, your body language, your unspoken expectations. That's passive aggressive behavior. We, we don't know. We, we see someone's acting passive aggressively. We don't know maybe what it's about. Um, so you have to explicitly state what your experience is, what your boundary is. So there's no room for misinterpreting um, what works for you, right? And use assertive statements. Um, one example could be, I don't have the capacity to take on any new projects right now. Okay. That's the initial setting of the boundary. Part two, action. You have to follow up the communication with um, actions and consequences essentially for people's behavior. So honoring your boundaries through action really is the only way most people will understand that you're serious. And this could look like for that example of, I don't have the capacity for new projects. Don't raise your hand for the project. Don't offer. Say no when asked. Only work within like the time limit that you have. Like I can't work past 5 p.m., right? Um, you have to hold the boundary. And, and it's something that might have to happen again and again and again because people are learning a new way to interact with you. So let's say you always, I mean, I, I, when I was not self-employed, I was always the volunteer for extra projects. I was the idea maker for the project. I was like, guys, we got to do this. This is amazing. We can do it. It's fine. And I was a parent. I had a lot of free time and I thought it was important. And it was, there's, I could give examples, but it doesn't really matter. I would advocate for them and then volunteer my time for free all the time um, while being paid very little. So I am a part of it is people pleasing. I was passionate. There's like a lot of things that went into it. But if I say I don't have the capacity for new projects right now, but I'm the one who's been typically doing it for years and years and years, I have all this information. I know who to talk to and whatever. And someone else says, yeah, I think it's important. I'll go do it. And then they keep asking me questions, whether they're, they're DMing me, slacking me, they're walking into my office all the time. And, and instead of finding out the information themselves, I have that I'm doing the emotional labor of supporting them. Sometimes if you have the capacity, great. If they're emailing you at 10 PM and you're responding or they're texting you or they're calling you on Sunday going, Hey, I'm still trying to figure this out. Right. You're still showing up in a way that is not true to your, the boundary you're setting. And so the action is right. saying, you know, um, I can meet with you once a week for an hour, please have your questions listed. I'll be ready to help you and support you. I absolutely want this to be successful. I just don't have the capacity. Um, please don't contact me on the weekends, whatever. Right. Um, and so it, there's like so many different versions of this example, but it's stating it and then having aligned action or consequences. So if somebody continues to violate that, whether there's pushback, I had a client this week who said, I don't want to work past five. You know, they, they, they have a job where it's actually really flexible, but if you don't do your job, I can't leave at five. And so it's really important that you're not uh, doing this thing right now. I need you to do it because I'd like to go home. And, and it was this young woman to an adult, a uh, very older adult male who said, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do after five? And it was so uncomfortable, that pushback of like, your time isn't valuable. Um, and it turned into a, a deeper conversation about like, wait, you just want to like spend time with your friends. That's why you're lecturing me right now. And the amount of shame that was there 
totally shut the conversation down instead of I don't need to answer that question. I still would like to leave at five. So if you could get to work. Um, so it can be pushed back like that, or it can be pushed back like I'm still calling you on the weekends or emailing you or slacking you. And and that conversation needs to look like I'm confused because I, I set a I set a request and boundary and I, and I know you need support, but I'm feeling confused about where I was unclear. And that's actually my favorite way to set reset a boundary is using the phrase I'm confused. Um, how can I support you? Because I feel like I communicated it really well and just kind of plain dumb, but in a way that's like takes away the aggressiveness of it and instead says I I need some support because I'm I'm asking for something and it's not happening and those two things aren't matching. So what can we do? Cause I'm feeling confused about what to do here. Absolutely. And sometimes too, like in pair with that, like it can look like, you know, maybe restating. Sometimes you do have to restate the boundary. Absolutely. Right. That's a follow-up. Wow. Well, yeah. and also again, reinforcing it with action. So maybe you don't respond till Monday morning at 9am. Right. I do that with clients all the time. And, you know, as a therapist, I actually think one of our jobs is to teach healthy boundaries by showing them with clients. Um, and yeah. I'll give you an example of how that I do that with like my policies and I've actually kind of explained this to some clients too, as far as boundaries. So I have a one week cancellation policy with my clients. Um, I explain that to them in the beginning of working together. It's in our agreement. They sign off agreeing to it, which is um, generally speaking, again, I ask for one week for cancellations. I book people at least one week out. Um, I hold that spot for that client. And I, I don't book anyone else in that spot, right? That's your yep. hour. Um, and if you're going to cancel on me for an, you know, one of the not, um, one of the, I have some exceptions, right? So look, if you're sick, if, if there's a crisis of some kind, like a death or your child is hurt, you know, some reasonable things, whether, sure you can cancel and, and there's no harm, no foul. Right. But if like, I've had clients say like, Oh, I just want to go to the beach tomorrow. It's supposed to be nice. Like, you know, that's not only is that my time, but that's also like, I've reserved that spot. And that's my, my family's finances that go with that too. Right. So if you're canceling on me, I can't put someone else in that spot. And now it's directly impacting like my family. So, um, that's a boundary that I set and again, it's flexible, right? If there's a crisis that comes up, totally no harm, no foul. And if clients give me enough time, like a few days, and I happen to have other times, I'm happy to have a conversation about changing the time, right? So it's, it's firm in that. Um, so sorry, if they do cancel on me, it's, they have to pay for the session, right? That's the consequence. However, there's some flexibility there, right? If there's a crisis, of course, you know, you're not responsible for that session. Like you're sick, whatever. Or if we can make it work, I'll work with you sometimes, you know, when it, when they can, when it's appropriate. Um, but generally speaking, like we set an agreement and I'm reinforcing it by sometimes having to build people for the session. And that's like a way that I like to kind of teach the follow through with boundaries with clients, um, especially for clients who might struggle with boundaries. Like that I think holds people and actually sometimes makes them feel more safe. Like you're following through with your word that you set with me as a client, right? Yeah. I mean, we are as therapists really trained for that. And I would say as self-employed entrepreneurs, like that is really, really important. It really does impact our world significantly. When somebody doesn't show up, that changes like the way in which I planned out my month, my week, like it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
it's really important and it also models just like respect in relationships so if that doesn't happen and I have to do it we have a conversation we have to have like a good Mm -hmm. chunk of our session 10 minutes or so of like hey this is the reasoning this is what's happening how are you feeling about that and really work through the discomfort of somebody setting a boundary and like the consequence of it and it's a a beautiful example and I bet that's really hard for listeners to hear because we're on the end of like having that power Mm -hmm. and it's it's very great it's great practice um in the real world because if it's happening in our own space uh typically if it's happening in a therapy session it's happening in other areas of the of your life usually in lots of areas of your life and so to work through a boundary piece like that is actually really handy to then be able to model it in other relationships absolutely absolutely and i feel really strongly about like you know we have to practice what we preach um And listen, consistency is key. Like in setting boundaries, the consistency is key. Um, When you're setting your own boundaries, it's really important to remember like this stuff is hard in the beginning, right? It's not easy, especially if boundaries are a struggle for you. But you have to remember that over time, people will adjust. They are learning your new expectations. And that short-term discomfort that you feel, that anxiety that you feel, is worth it for long-term healthy relationships, right? If you never have the conversation, follow through with the boundaries, you're still sitting in discomfort over time in an unhealthy dynamic, right? And so I view boundaries as an act of love. Like I value this relationship enough to set a boundary. And so that I'm feeling happy or at least not like angry or uncomfortable in this dynamic. Like I want this to get better. So I'm verbalizing and expressing my boundaries. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the crux of it, right? If if the relationship isn't important enough, it it does result in resentment, gossiping, pulling away, ghosting, lots of different things. And so when somebody is showing up or you're showing up advocating for a more supportive, safer and healthy relationship, that is love mm-hmm. no matter what the interpretation is on the other end and we uh, could keep going with this podcast about what our fears are about people's reactions but this what you need to know when you're showing up in that way is is this malicious am i trying to punish somebody or am i trying to advocate for positive relationship that is going to move forward and typically the response if we're brave enough to set a boundary it's because we're advocating for something we love so much to improve absolutely Mm -hmm. so the last thing i want to say in terms of ways to communicate through communication and then action if you're if you're struggling um to verbally communicate a boundary email and text message is an appropriate way if it's one that you're worried that it's not going to be safe or someone's going to blow up or react always do it in writing and never in person we always want you to feel safe and two if you're just not if you're going to get muddled or confused then it's appropriate and uh reasonable to do it through text message it's still a form of communication and people we texting and and writing gets a really bad uh rap right now It, it gets minimized and is often called immature in lots of different ways it's a form of communication that's positive and people get time to process it they get to reread it you get to reread it to make sure that you deliver the message you want to and so there's never a negative 
it's just not negative. It's just a different form of communication. So totally. totally. And I think like, again, if it's, if it's hard for you, like if it's, if you're not going to be able to express a boundary in person, either because you're actually unsafe with that person or because you feel so unsafe doing it, text it, write it. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with that in general. Um, I literally just did that this weekend. So I do it all the time, all the time. It's totally normal. And I have to advocate for all my clients. They all go, Oh really? And there's so much relief in it. So I really want people to hear that because I, I really think it's missed and people think there's only one way to do it, which is verbally. And oftentimes people aren't listening to you when it's verbally anyway, because they're processing their own feelings. They're ready to be defensive. There's like a lot of things happening. Um, and sometimes not right. Defensiveness isn't always the reaction, but it's boundary setting is like really jarring to get. It's, it's very formal sometimes. And so, uh, texting is a really nice way to do it or writing in general, a written form because people get to process it and then respond in a way um, that is supportive on the other end. Um, oh my gosh, I had no idea you felt this way versus like, really, really, that's the reaction you have, right? Like there's a very different thing that people get time to do. Um, okay. Let's circle back to all of our podcasts. Um, boundary setting is like the crux of all the conditioning we have being good girls, our invisible load, our our forehead words that are, that people want us to have and our ideal self. And so it's typically subconscious in terms of all these things moving and all the socialization we have, that it's motivating our behaviors to say yes all the time to continue to do, um, things or, or self-sacrifice. And if we don't slow down and evaluate all these behaviors and why they're showing up, the socialization and the invisible load that is motivating these behaviors, boundaries can't be stuck to. They just can't even be pulled out and created um, because we're still operating on these subconscious levels with all the systems that we've been socialized with. And so it's really important to do the work and understand why we're operating the way we're operating to be able to set clear, valuable boundaries in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think what you're getting at is like, we need to understand what the conditioning is and like, then how we want to consciously move forward. Mm-hmm. And that really can set the framework for the boundaries that we need to have to make that life that we want possible. Yeah, exactly. What a beautiful way to end. I don't want to say any more after that wonderful statement. Well, just one more thing I will say again, Nedra Tawab by her book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. It's just, I mean, I literally recommend it to every single client who walks in my door. Like I said, I just got this beautiful workbook, the Set Boundaries workbook that just came out, I think like a month, a month or two ago. Like this is brand new from Nedra. Um, and I have yet to like fully go through it, but I'm hoping to actually like work through the whole workbook myself. Um, I just can't um, rave about her enough. And I believe you can find her at Nedra, N-A-N-E-D-R-A-T-A-W-W-A-B on Instagram uh, for some daily tips that she puts out there that are so Her Instagram account is phenomenal. Go find her. Please follow us on social media, Emotionally Unfucked. Subscribe here. Please write reviews if this has been helpful. We're really excited about this. And next week we have a guest, our first guest. So um, subscribe and we will keep uh, doing our thing. Yeah, we can't wait to talk to you next week.
Yep. See you next week. Okay.